just an ordinary girl. I'm your host. My husband calls me babe. My kiddos call me mama, but you can call me Stevie. I'm just an ordinary girl helping listeners find the extraordinary life through the extraordinary God. Welcome to Just an Ordinary Girl podcast. If this is your first time listening, great. Subscribe right away so you don't miss any future episodes. But also feel free to go back and listen from the beginning. If you're a regular listener, I want to make this disclaimer before we get started. When I started this podcast back in January of last year, I can honestly say I had no clue what I was doing other than following a path I felt God had put me on. And week to week, I just kept following that path. I pray regularly that I'll understand what he's doing while I praise him for what he is already doing. Within that prayer, I am seeking out the extraordinary lessons that he's teaching me in my ordinary life. And many times, I will jot those down and see if they develop over time into something that I feel like I should share with all of you. Well, recently, the same topic has come up in many different scenarios and lessons, and I figured it was a topic worth sharing. However, when I sat down to organize my thoughts, I wondered if I had already done an episode on this topic. And just as I began to go back and check my episode lists, I felt the urging to not open that tab, but to just begin preparing as he led. And so I shall. Because those are the messages that remain anointed. The ones I know God has told me to speak. So the messages that God once spoke in time and time again may be something we need to hear time and time again. And maybe if I've spoken it on a previous season in our lives, it wasn't the right season for you. But perhaps today it is. So I'm going for it. And I'm airing the episode that was on my heart this week. And I'm believing that there are listeners that God is preparing to hear it. So before I play this week's episode, I simply want to pray. Lord, I pray for whoever is listening to this podcast right now to be ready for the words that they hear. I pray that my words were never my words, but you're speaking through me. That man or woman or even child with an earshot will find themselves drawn to your message today. I pray that those who are facing immense fear right now, fear of the unknown, fear of what is smack dab in front of them, fear of failing, fear of falling short, or just not knowing what they are afraid of, I pray you will speak life to their hearts as they listen. I pray that they will leave that fear at your feet and walk away empowered by a trust in you that surpasses what their minds can comprehend. Let every dear listener feel your extraordinary love today as you draw them closer by walking them through this battle right now in your time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get started. a hotel right here in my own town and I work the third shift. Now we're located on a state highway next to a truck stop. We aren't always super busy but we do get pretty good business due to our location. Well I feel pretty safe most of the time. I've been there six years now almost and have had only a few issues where my safety was in question and even then I didn't feel it was something that I couldn't handle. However, that doesn't stop me from getting those scare jump moments from time to time. I mean, the ice machine can drop some ice and it will make me jump a mile high. Or I can be looking down intently working on a report and I look up and suddenly there's a person standing on the other side of the desk just waiting patiently for me to look up. But when I do look up, I usually scream in complete fright. I mean, how do they approach the 
the, the desk so quietly. There are some days I'm just more on edge than others. And to be completely honest, sometimes people are just downright strange. And when too many come in acting strange in a row, I begin my downward spiral of being afraid. Now, the other night we had reports of some strange happenings that are going on. And of course, we have a proper protocols in place to keep all of our employees safe. But some guests came in, they tried to push some of those safety measures. And then they got angry when our staff would not bend. In my mind, that's a major red flag. So I came in for my overnight shift and I had the conversation with the staff member who was, it was directly involved in the incident. And when she left and I was there all by myself, I was in that moment of complete fear. There I was in full out scared mode. I was jumpy. Every sound caused me to have rapid heart rate. <laughs> I began texting my husband, telling him that I was a bit frightful that night and asked him for prayer. And usually that's enough. But it seemed one thing after the other was adding to my discomfort. We had a customer come in, ask about a room, say, oh, can I use the restroom? He returned to tell me he was going to go get his credit card out of his car, and then he never returned. Seems silly when I'm saying it, right? Why would you be scared of this incident? But I was. I was a tad spooked. And just when I was about to give myself a major eye roll, another customer came in, different than the one before. He, too, asked about a room, then went to the restroom, came out, said he'd be back in a minute, needed to grab his credit card, and he, too, did not return. Oh, two things in a row that are spooky like that, and I'm about done. Shortly after that, though, an unmarked utility van pulled up to the front windows. I could see the vehicle, but no one got out. They just sat there at 2 a.m., just about the time I was too fearful to handle it and I was going to call the cops. A crew member who was working locally came bounding down the stairs, yep, freaking me out with the sound of it all, and said, oh, good, my ride's here. See, there was nothing scary about a company van picking up one of their crew members who's working in a plant that's here in town. He worked the 2 a.m. shift, apparently. It was silly. I tried to shake it off, tried to tell myself I was just getting worked up about nothing when we received a prank phone call, and nothing about a prank phone call at 2 or 3 in the morning is peaceful. I texted my husband one last time and said, now we get a prank phone call and I am out my freaked out limit. But like a normal person, my husband was actually sleeping peacefully. So I was on my own for four more hours of the shift. I took a short break, secured the building. I mean, we still need to be safe, right? And then I pulled out my Bible app and I began to read scriptures on being fearful. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Okay, then I better pray, right? And so I did. Then I read further. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So I began to change my thought process. I began to think more pleasant thoughts I began to think of all the ways that God had cared for me in so many different ways through this third shift job over the last five plus years. And I finally began to feel peace, a peace that only God can give. So what about those of you who are listening that are dealing with a different kind of fear? Fear comes in so many different forms. 
It's funny because I Googled forms of fear and had so many different lists of five forms, seven forms, 10 forms, and none of those lists were the same because basically if it exists, we can be fearful of it from creepy crawling things to snakes, to being abandoned, to falling, to heights, to having a lack of purpose, to literal sickness and death. I mean, we are emotional human beings that can be afraid of just about anything. So my question is, what are you afraid of? I want to pause for a second and I literally want you to do me a favor here. I want you to say the answer out loud wherever you are, just so your ears can hear it. What are you afraid of? You see, saying it out loud allows you to hear it and you draw it out into the open for the light to shine upon it. Now it's staring you in the face and it is time to deal with it. Now I've never truly been fearful until I had children. It's like the moment we buckled our first into the car for the first time for that ride home from the hospital, I suddenly was fully aware of all the dangers of driving on the road. My husband felt it too because he drove super slow from the hospital to our house. When we made a stop on the way home to get some meds, he came out to check on me in the car about four times in a span of a few short minutes while he waited for the prescription. When we lived in California, the California mountains, I was terrified of snow drifts, snow drifts. A year earlier, before I was a parent, it had never crossed my mind to be afraid of snow drifts falling on our car and trapping us in. Airplane rides were fun until I was holding my baby and flying in one. <laughs> I became a mom and suddenly my eyes were open to the millions of things that could go wrong. SIDS, falling on concrete, choking on fu- food, puking. Uh, drowning, being kidnapped, being bullied, being the bully, walking away from Jesus, getting in a car accident. I mean, the fear abounds. The reasons why we should be fearful will never end, but neither will God's peace never end. With the recent pandemic came the popularity of the phrase faith over fear. It's a worthy phrase, but what happens when you have faith? You are a Christian and you still struggle with, or should I say battle with, fear on a regular basis. Being told to have faith, as true as it is, doesn't always win the war that's raging within us. And many times I would pray, God, remove my fear. Literally, I just repeat it over and over. God, remove my fear. And then I would go back to being fearful of whatever fear popped up that day. But in reality, I was praying for the wrong things. It would be like taking your vehicle to the shop and asking mechanic Jim to just remove the warning lights. Hey, Jim, can you just disable that check engine light for me? Yeah, the mechanic would look at you strange and ask if you'd prefer you find the reason the light was on in the first place. It won't fix the engine problem to simply take away the warning light. Just like it won't take away the issue by asking for our indicator to be removed. And fear is an indicator of something not right. Now, it could be that you should be alert or you should change your course of action. There is nothing wrong with a child being afraid of oncoming traffic and then staying on the sidewalk. There's nothing wrong with having respectable fear of bears. I mean, we know we should steer clear of those things. When our kids were younger, we took yearly trips to Wisconsin Dells. I had this fear of losing the kids in the large crowds or having one of them drown. I had my wits about me when I was awake And I would take those thoughts captive and I would turn them into prayer, something I had learned during my nine-month pregnancy after a miscarriage. Instead of worrying, I would give that worry to God. I'd ask for his protection. I'd ask for increased trust that he was in charge and knew what was best. And I'd pray for strength if the worst-case scenario did occur. It took me nearly nine months to learn that. 
But I found that taking all of that to the feet of Jesus was the ultimate answer. So I knew that it would be the answer this time as well. Only problem was, I was going through the motions when I was awake. But as soon as I fell asleep, these fears would haunt my dreams. They'd awaken me, and we all know those anxieties are a million times worse when we're in the quietness of our bedtime. Billy Graham says that anxiety distracts us from our relationship with God and the truth that he is Lord of heaven and earth. After many nights of no sleep, which, by the way, is a huge contributor to anxiety, worry, and fear, I finally just got up and said, fine, want to battle Satan? Let's do this. (laughs) And instead of sleep, I stayed up wrestling. I brought my fear out in the open. I said it out loud and I prayed, Lord, what do you want me to do with this now? And scripture began to flood my mind. And I would say them all, submit yourself to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So step one, submit to the Lord. It doesn't even say submit your fear to the Lord, but it's a command. And commands, the implied subject is you. So it's really saying you submit yourself to the Lord. You stop fear by giving yourself to God. Now listen to my heart here. This is not intended to be a bash of any sort. We all fall short in this area from time to time. But fear, worry, anxiety, it cannot coexist with a trust that God has it all in control. When we fear or worry or feel anxiety of any sort, it's an indicator that we haven't given our all over to the Lord. We believe we can control all aspects of our lives, ourselves. We forget in our fear that we serve a God that is almighty, sovereign. Now, sovereign means being the ultimate source of all power, authority, and everything that exists. That means whatever it is you fear, he is the Lord over it. Now, I'm not talking about the respectful fear of things like a Mack truck rolling 70 miles per hour towards you or napping in a lion's den. Now, I'm talking about fearing things that are out of our control and trusting that they are in God's control. So we transfer our fear to trust. Submit yourself to God and then be determined to obey God when he says to be anxious for nothing. And when you face that fear... The one you said out loud just a few moments ago, decide today not to let that fear control you. Don't let it control your emotions or your behavior or your thought process. Stop it in its track by resubmitting your life to Christ over and over and over again. The night that I decided I'd wrestle with fear, I did this so many times it actually embarrassed me. It was like I suddenly was aware that my trust in God to watch over my children was lacking. Now, of course, God expects me to be diligent in watching what he has put in my care. Of course, God wants us to drive carefully, walk on sidewalks that are provided, take care of our health, not take unreasonable risks with our bodies. But once we submit ourselves to the Lord, we will begin to pray and seek his direction on things and we'll hear where he wants us to walk. And then we can walk in peace. We then can know that he is in control and we begin to change our thought processes. Now, on the summer night about seven years ago when I had to wrestle really hard, I pulled out all that I was afraid of, losing the kids, having the kids kidnapped, a kid being lost on my husband's watch and what that would do to our marriage. I was afraid of them drowning. Every bit I laid bare before God, and I recited scripture like Philippians 4, 6 and 2 Timothy 1, 7 that says that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I reminded God of what he said he would do when I presented my request to him. But then he reminded me of what his word says in Psalm 42, 5. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. So I turned my fear into my passionate prayer for trust in the Lord. Lord, 
I trust you with my children. Help my disbelief that results in fear. Lord, I trust you with my future. Lord, I trust you with my hopes and my dreams. Lord, I trust you in the darkness. I trust you in the valley. I trust you through the sickness. I trust you with my life. Does that mean that you won't walk through the shadow of the valley of death? No, it doesn't. Do you know Psalm 23? Maybe we need to learn to memorize it. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Trials are not going to disappear, but how you walk through them will be completely different. Satan uses fear to cripple us. He wants our focus on what we can't control and off the one that controls it all. And then on top of it, he makes us feel guilty and shameful for having these moments of fear. My suspicion is that just because we made it past the Sid stage of childhood, past the leaving the house without mama stage, past the peer pressure stage and the teenage driving stage, that the fears that come along with parenthood will still rear its ugly head. I mean, I don't know, but I'm most positive it's going to come back when my kids date, when they move out, when they begin to raise their own kids. I'm guessing it really never stops. So we must learn how to battle with it and win. I struggled this past summer as I planned the last couple of years of high school for my junior. And I had those sleepless nights of worry of, am I doing enough? Is he learning what he needs to learn to be successful in college? And then on top of that, there were, we were just weeks away from him getting his driver's license. So it was beating me up with worry over his schooling and I was also being pummeled with fear of him behind the wheel. I mean, what if he hits another person that can ruin his life? What if I don't teach him how to cook? What if, what if, what if? <laughs> and I had to come back to what I know. And here's what I know to be true. First, God wants all of us. He wants our fear, our anxiety, our worry, and our trust. He wants us to submit not just the thought that are scaring us. He wants us. We submit ourselves to the Lord to search us, to know us, to reveal to us where we are lacking. We give ourselves to God so he can say, why so downcast? Put your trust in God. He holds us in his arms like we would our scared little babies, and he comforts us, but only when we allow him to. Second, we pray. Philippians 4, 6, remember, says to be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. We turn our fears into prayer, but remember, don't ask the fear be taken away without first praying that the trust will overshadow it. Fear is just an indicator that we are not fully believing God will do what he says he will do. Third, we determine in our hearts to obey his word. We choose not to be anxious. We choose to turn those thoughts into prayer, asking for strength to trust him. And we stop our downcast souls in its tracks and put our trust in him. I'm not saying it's easy. Just when I felt I had it under control and chose to go to bed that one night, the thoughts came right back as I laid in the dark. So I got right back up and I battled more until God knew I was ready to obey and Satan had to flee. Submit yourself to the Lord. Resist the devil. We resist by obeying God's word. We resist by not allowing those fears to overtake us. Which leads me to number four. We change our thought process. 
Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The world is full of scare tactics. They use them to get us to do things their way, and it takes diligence to sift through all of it to find the truth. But the more we're in the word, the more we strive to be closer to the Lord, and the more we're going to recognize that he orders our steps and leads us where he knows we can be best used, even if that means he allows us to be in a valley or have our biggest fears come true. We will have some trials in this world, some bigger than others, but as we renew our minds, we will walk through those times with strength and dignity and bring honor to God. And lastly, we don't heap shame on our heads, nor do we give up because it's hard. Satan's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy, and fear is his biggest instrument to get that done. Shame is a close second. He will try to convince us that we can't trust God, so it's all on us. And then we'll begin to fret that we're not enough. So funny, because we aren't. If we're doing it alone, and when we have God on our side, we don't have to carry all the weight of it all. And then when we let our guards down, we notice that fear and anxiety creep back in. Because let's be real, if anything 2020 up to now has taught us, it's that fear is real, and it won't die anytime soon. So when we feel it again, please don't add shame to the pile. Just start over with number one and work your way through again. Submit to God, pray, obey his word, renew your mind, and repeat. Submit to God, pray, obey his word, renew your mind, and repeat. My dear friend on the other side of this broadcast, fear is a liar. It tells you that God is not in control. Don't listen. Don't give in. Take some time today to work your way through this battle. Now, I record this on night one of my husband being out of town. The quietness of the house when he isn't with me is jarring at times. I feel better with my man by my side. But my husband isn't nearly as good of a protector as my God is. Let's win this battle together. I'll pray for you, you pray for me, and let's put our trust in God. Just remember Psalm 9:10 says, Those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Let's seek them together. I'm your host, Ordinary Girl Stevie.